0: the word of the Lord. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they?
1: Good morning. Good to see everybody. We're, uh, if you're just joining us, we're in a series where we've been studying the Sermon on the Mount. And the words of Jesus that we've just read will no doubt touch everyone in this room differently. And uh, I just want to say before we get started, the words of Jesus today have cut me deeply. They've cut me deeply. I never understood uh, in my early adulthood, I never really understood what all the talk about anxiety was. Never understood what people were talking about when they said, man, I just feel this overwhelming anxiety. I didn't get it. And then uh, God gave me and my wife uh, five kids in the period of about seven and a half years. And like my emotions changed. I started to feel things that I didn't feel before. I started to feel some fears that were irrational. Uh, All of a sudden I understood why people bought minivans that didn't look cool but had really great safety ratings. You know? Like, I started to understand why people bought those weird little handcuff things that linked all the kids together. <laughs> I didn't do that. We didn't do that. But I understood why people would do that. But, uh, man, I, I just, I started to feel like my, t- my stomach would tense up and I would forget to breathe sometimes. I had anxiety. I had anxiety. It had come upon me too. Well, in the last, uh, in the last couple of years... Uh, That has really chilled out for us because our kids are kind of to the age where we don't have to worry so much. Like we let them uh, run the neighborhood and they ride their bikes all over the place. We go to the store and instead of like holding on to everybody tightly and constantly, I had this thing, man, where I would just count one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, two, you know, like you parents get it. Instead of having to do that, we're just like, hey, meet up with us in a little while, (laughs) you know, like go run the store, do whatever you want to do and then meet us back at the front. And uh, and the problem is, like some of those anxieties had gone away from me, but the problem is, um, my brain still had the pathways that remembered how to be anxious. It, it, it wasn't it wasn't that my faith had had solved all my fears. It was that I was just in a different stage of life. And uh, and God has honestly been wrestling with me on that. He's honestly been inviting me to get underneath. The root of what was happening inside of me that was causing anxiety. So, the week uh, after my 37th birthday, just a few months ago uh, in August, I thought I was doing pretty well. I went and had a, a checkup with my doctor to just kind of let him know how I was feeling. And uh, I thought, you know, probably I was kind of starting to feel some of my age, I was starting to feel a little bit out of shape. And uh, he ran some tests that led to some other tests. And he said, I think everything's fine, but let's just do some, do some tests. And uh, there came a moment where, to his great surprise, and to my great surprise, he looked me in the eyes and he said, Sean, you're dying. You're dying. Um, we didn't expect to find this, but what we found was that you have a part of your heart, your aortic valve, that all those years ago, 37 years ago, just never formed quite Right? And now what's happening is, uh, 37 years later, as your heart is beating several thousand times a day, uh, the valve is not doing its job and it's leaking blood back into the heart. And it's causing a a lot of small problems that are going to lead to a really big problem if we don't do something really quick. I need to cut you open. I need you to have open heart surgery. And um, man, I felt it in that moment. I felt it creeping back in. Like my only hope, With someone's human hands cutting me open, stopping my heart, trying to put me back together, replacing my aortic valve, and maybe just maybe getting my heart beating again so that I would have hope to continue being a father and a husband. I felt it. I felt it. So, like, here's what's crazy, is about the time that I stopped worrying so much about my own kids' health, God comes to me and he says, you're just as fragile as they are. Like I had no guarantee for them that I was going to be able to continue caring for them as a dad. I had no guarantee that I was going to be able to continue uh, watching out for them. What am I supposed to do with that? Like even this week, I I feel the pull to be anxious about things that I cannot control. And maybe you do too. And today the words of Jesus speak to us. In the middle of all of our reasons that cause stress and cause anxiety, we have from God's word good reason and even strength to push away from those fears. The words of Jesus that were spoken to these people, uh, they would have been profoundly hopeful and also really hard to believe to the people that listened. And today we hear the words of Jesus and they are profoundly hopeful and also really Hard to believe. Everywhere we look, uh, as I talk to people, as I look at news articles, um, I was having a conversation with someone even already this morning. Everywhere we look, we see the way that people are talking about the reality that our culture is being marked again and again and again by what? Anxiety. Anxiety. We're talking about it uh, all over the place. Many of us and the people all around us are walking around with this kind of low-grade anxiety that just sits on us, wondering what is going to happen next in life. And I just want to say, before we jump into the text, man, my heart, my hope is not to in any way undermine uh, the great work that is so necessary in the field of mental health. Uh, we have people in our church that, that um, have needs and have been diagnosed with clinical anxiety. We have pastors in Frontline and leaders within Frontline that have had to avail themselves to the help of medical professionals. And I just want to say, if that's you, man, I wholeheartedly encourage you to run towards that as a grace of God in your life and in our city. So that's not, I'm not going to swerve into that. I'm not talking about uh, mental health today, but what I do want to talk about is, uh, is what I think in a lot of ways affects the rest of us. Anxiety has become kind of a junk drawer word, hasn't it? Like, we use it in the way that we, we use the word love. Um, anxiety really can be a clinical diagnosis. But also, anxiety is the thing that many of us feel so deeply when there's six seconds left in a Thunder game and the ball goes to Russell. We feel that, right? We feel anxiety. And uh, what I want to talk about today is kind of this place that's in between. Um, where, where we see that the everyday cares of life just build up and they begin to take root in us in a way that I believe that God has not intended, as a pastor, it seems like about eight out of ten conversations that I have, I sit down with people and we start to dig into what 's going on. About eight out of ten of those, it just feels like what comes up is this overwhelming anxiety that just comes and goes, and it comes and it goes. And I think a lot of us feel that. My heart is to speak to those that today need Jesus to help them catch their breath and to hear his voice. And so that's what we're going to do today. And before we do that, I think it would be really helpful if uh, I'm I'm sharing some of my story with you guys. I think it would be helpful if we just have a moment of honesty. Can we do that? How many in the church would say, uh, you know, the truth is that fears or anxieties or stress at kind of a high level truly has been part of my story. Can we just be honest? Let's just keep our hands up for a second because I think it's helpful. It's helpful for us to look around. This should be encouraging. You can put your hands down. I think it should be encouraging to us to look around and go, man, this is part of my story, but I'm not alone in this. And I think this should be encouraging to us because what we realize is the invitation that Jesus is giving us today is what we all need, isn't it? This is good. All right. So in the Sermon on the Mount, just as a reminder, the whole time, Jesus has been calling us to focus our vision differently, hasn't he? At one point last week uh, in Matthew 6, Jesus said, the eye is the lamp stand of the body. And he said, if it goes dark, then everything's going to go dark. Like nothing's going to look good. But if there's light in the lampstand of the body, which is your eye, then you're going to be able to see a lot more clearly. You're going to be able to focus a lot better. What Jesus has been doing all along in the Sermon on the Mount is he's calling us to see differently. In each section, he's saying the kingdom of of God, it looks different than all of the earthly kingdoms that all of us are chasing after, all the things that we've built. And week by week, we've looked at how Jesus is giving us new vision. That's what he's doing calling us to see things differently. So the Sermon on the Mount, this is Jesus lifting our eyes up to see what the kingdom of heaven is even supposed to look like. He's reminding us, hey, God, he created everything and it was perfect. It was peace. It was shalom. It was everything needed for man's highest good. That's the way the world was. And then it broke. And so Jesus, he doesn't come and and set up his earthly ministry. He doesn't start with words like, Hey guys, I've been observing and I just think there's a few tweaks that we can make here and there. There's a few changes. Maybe if we just dial this in over here, uh, everything's going to get better. That's not what he says. He's like, we got to turn everything upside down. Like the way that you see your money. The way that you see your possessions, the way that you look at uh, your marriage or lust or, or your fears or your hopes or your anxiety, all of it has to get turned upside down. Jesus, he's calling his, his disciples to totally re-envision life based on the kingdom of heaven. He's inviting us to put on these lenses and he's inviting us to see everything differently and step into a better story. He's calling us to believe a better story, and look at a better kingdom than the ones that we've been building. So he's addressing the way that we see everything in life and the lenses that we're looking through in light of the vision he's giving us in the kingdom of, of God. And this week we get to chapter 6. And what Jesus shows us is first that he's, he's showing us that we're really nearsighted people. Really nearsighted people. Uh, look at verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So he starts to address our worries, doesn't he? And I I just think like if one of us were writing the sermon, what we would do is we would start with all of the, like we would step in like with just tiptoes and we would start with maybe the small anxieties of life. We would start with the small details and we would try to wean ourselves off of those things. And maybe, maybe just maybe we would work up to the big things in life. And Jesus, man, he just goes straight for the big stuff. He goes straight for the greatest necessities that any of us have, Uh, And what he's saying is like, I understand that big and small anxiety, big and small things in life cause anxiety. And uh, what he wants us to know is if he'll care for the big things, he certainly will care for the small things. And we say, what about our bills? What about our health? What about our home? What about our car? Like we hear our own voice say, I think I can trust God with the big things in life. Like, yes, he's going to, He's going to give me clothes. He's going to give me food. I, I think that's all true. But is the God who is keeping the planets aligned at this very moment really going to care for the small details of my life? Don't we, don't we feel ourselves saying that? And here, here Jesus speaks back to us. 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? Jesus speaks to us today and he says, of course, the smaller things. Look at the birds. They have everything that they need. Look at the flowers of the field. They have everything that they need. And beyond what they need, they even have the beauty of Solomon. Like God, your father cares even for them. He's thinking about the details of the flowers. Like isn't it amazing that God our Father has has given us things like birds and flowers that we see every day just to just to help us remember that he cares for us too. This is what Martin Luther said. The birds and the flowers sing and preach to us and smile at us so lovingly just to have us believe. <laughs> isn't that good? In the moment that we start to feel all those needs stirring up anxiety, Jesus, he starts to tell us where to look. And he doesn't say, hey, everybody look to your master. He could have said that. He doesn't say, everybody, when you start to feel anxiety, look to your creator. He doesn't say that. Although he could have. Frederick Brunner, he says it like this. I think this is really helpful. Jesus wants disciples to know that there is already a God who gives attention to the legitimate concerns of possession. His name is your father. Your father. You have a father who cares about the details of all the other creation. Doesn't he care about you, his sons and daughters? He does. Now, I think if we're honest, I think it's true that we don't always look to our father when we start to feel our anxieties. Um, I think what a lot of times what we do is, we, what, we, what we look to is the places that we can numb out. I'm just going to submit to you, I know this is a crazy thought, but maybe the places that we numb out aren't actually helping us with our fears and anxieties, but they're contributing to them. Um, I, I had a notification on my phone this week and it had a, a news headline that popped up And it said, putting your phone down could help you live longer. So I immediately picked it up and I clicked on the link because I wanted to read it. (laughs) And uh, it was this New York Times uh, Google report. New York Times and Google worked together and it was fascinating, man. It was talking about how chemical processes that are happening when we stare at our phones for hours on end are actually creating uh, behavioral addictions. And I thought this was... This, this one quote of the whole thing really stuck out to me. I want to share it with you. Tell me if this isn't true. It says, These mobile devices loaded with social media, email, and news apps create a constant sense of obligation generating unintended personal stress. And the church said, amen. <laughs> like, that's so real. Um, this last week, I, uh, I, had, I had the chance and I was really honored, honestly, to, uh, to, um, to show up and respond to a federal jury duty summons. Like I'd never, I'd never been called to do that before. And I thought, man, I wanna fully step into this as a believer who's trying to like care and bring the kingdom of heaven. I wanna be a part of the process. But I showed up to the federal courthouse downtown and uh, they've got like, you know, security, like, like uh, more robust security than going through airport. And uh, people are in this long line, and I can tell the, the U.S. Marshals, they're telling people, um, if you've brought any electronic devices into the building, you're going to have to turn around and go back out and, and put them in your car. And people are like, except for phones, right? <laughs> and they're like, nope, nothing. You need to go put it back in your car. And people were freaking out. They were freaking out. Like, we're going to be there all day. Like, what are we supposed to do, you know? And so we get in and uh, they put us all in this room. There's 125 of us. They put us all like in this big break room and um, people are like twitching. They're like, they're going crazy. Like people are, people keep doing this where they're like, oh yeah, it's in the car. (laughs) You know, like I think I left my, oh my gosh. Oh yeah, it's in the car. Like over and over again. It was so funny to watch. Um, I honestly, I felt like I had gone back in time like 15 or 20 years because like as the day went on, People, people were like, "Oh, here's a newspaper." <laughs> they started reading the newspaper. There was a table that was playing Scrabble. There was a table that was playing Dominoes, and people started to talk to one another about their lives. <laughs> they were like, "Oh my gosh, our kids went to the same high school. That's amazing." Or, "Or we have the same kind of dog. That's amazing." Like they were really talking to one another. It was crazy. No one was staring at their phone. And the thing that um, the thing that really stuck out to me the most was they got us all finally in this really huge. Courtroom, And uh, one by one, they called each of our names and we stood up and we raised our right hand. And when they said our names, we said the word present. We're gonna be, we're present. And for the rest of the day, it really dawned on me like we were, we were present. That's what was happening in that place. And uh, I think we all know that anxiety, it just seems like a growing problem. And um, what, what we also know is like every single day, 24-7, like we have to figure out how to stay connected uh, to technology, social media, radio, TV, whatever it is. I feel like we constantly want to have access to everyone, and we want everyone to have access to us. And I think it's actually killing us. There are people right now out on I-35 who are responding to emails on the highway or Facebook messages. And uh, man, I I just think it's crazy. Like, we we sleep with the television on because what if we miss something? Right? And I just want to say, like, the original lie in the garden that Adam and Eve were told was that they could be like God. And when we want to be in every place at once, we are buying the same lie. And we're robbing ourselves and we're robbing uh, one another, the people around us, of being Present And it's happening in our dining rooms, and it's happening in our living rooms, it's happening in our bedrooms, it's happening in our classrooms. We have this desire not to just be elsewhere, but to be everywhere. And the tension of that, I, I think, is what's contributing in a lot of ways to our anxiety, even the guilt uh, tell me if you've ever felt this, like the guilt of something happens on the other side of the world, a terror attack or a plane crash or something, and you don't find out about it for 24 hours and you feel guilty. I, oh my gosh, I didn't know that that happened. Oh wow. And um, I just want to say to you, uh, it's not your job to know about everything or have a solution for everything. That's God's job. And um, I think when we, when we feel all of this, we're, we, we forget that we're meant to, to have each day. And we're meant to have our daily bread. And we're meant to be present in the lives of our kids and our friends and the people around us. That's it. So in verse 31, he just says it plainly. Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear for the Gentiles? That is those who don't know God seek after these things. And your heavenly father knows what you need. He knows that you need them all. This is Jesus' words to us. He says all of this worry, all this anxiety, that's the way the world thinks. Man, that's the change that everybody else is bound up with. The world, they worry about everything, but in the kingdom of heaven, we have a father. And we look to him because he knows everything that we need before we even ask. Instead of bringing this kind of anxious presence that we can get anywhere else. Man, you can get anxious presence everywhere. Instead of bringing anxious presence to the people around us, We are to bring peaceful presence, the presence of the kingdom of God. And I just want to say, this is a fight, isn't it? (laughs) Like, I I think about, man, bring peaceful presence to the people around me. Bring the the presence of the kingdom. And I go, okay, I can do that. And and then I just start to think about the weight of life. Like, I remember the stories of every, every time I've sat with a family, who's had a miscarriage, every time I've sat with a family who is is feeling relational brokenness or marriages falling apart or a job loss or tornadoes. People have lost their homes in our church to tornadoes and and had children just totally spinning out, uh, marriages that are just totally busted. And I go, man, this is a fight. But historically, this is a huge piece of what set our people apart. This is a huge piece of of what made us different. The explosion of Christianity in the first century, it happened in the midst of people that were professing faith in Jesus being tied to a stake and set on fire. Uh, There were were people that were being marched into arenas and, and, and just waiting for starved lions to charge and rip them to pieces. Man, in the middle of that, like, there were Christians who were bringing peaceful presence in jail cells, bringing the presence of Christ and his kingdom to the people that were about to kill them. That's amazing. And the church just totally exploded. How did this happen? Like in the midst of fear, in the midst of trial, in the midst of all of this, Christians were bringing peaceful presence to the world. What could possibly be happening that would cause this to be true? How is it that a Christian could stand firm in moments like those? Well, there's this amazing and curious cure for fear and anxiety in the middle of all the things that we would want to let steal our breath or let our hearts sink into. Jesus gives us these simple words, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, I, I've been around Christian culture for a minute. Like, I, I get that this really feels like a coffee cup verse. This feels like kind of a warm, fuzzy, pie-in-the-sky thing that you would say to somebody as you pat them on the back while they're going through a hard time, and then you walk away, right? I get that it feels like that, but if we really decide to live this out, I think that we're going to find power here. I really do. Uh, so Jesus, he says he's going to change our vision. He shows us that we're nearsighted. But then I want you to see Jesus. He's calling us to become a people that are farsighted. I want to tell you from my story that I really believe now more than ever, this really is a coffee cup verse. Uh, the truth is in my own story in what was happening with me and my heart surgery, uh, I knew that it was going to change my life one way or the other. Like if I survived the surgery then I had to decide, am I gonna be a person that comes out on the other side constantly anxious about what's gonna happen next? Am I gonna have fear about my health every single day? Am I gonna have fear about, am I gonna be able to care for my kids every single day? Or will I be a person who comes out the other side by the grace of God and just realize that every single day is a gift? And will I come out the other side and just say, you know what, the only way to come into each day is with my hands open saying, God, you're good. You give and you take away. <laughs> like your plans are better than my plans. You love my family. You love my kids. You love my wife more than I love my kids and my wife. And you have a kingdom and it's higher than what I can understand. And you're a father and you're a king. And no matter what this world takes from me, you love me. And I can trust you. And I got to this place, man, that was such a gift. It was such a gift. Like I wish everyone had the gift of getting to the end of themselves as a person who loves to control and loves to manipulate and figure out exactly how I can insulate myself from any kind of fear or any kind of danger. The gift that Jesus gave to me was being completely not in control. It was a gift. Something happened when I realized I was unable to control my circumstance. My eyes lifted started to see the kingdom of heaven just a little bit more clearly than I had before. Things that mattered to me, the song that we just sang, they, they became dim, a little bit more dim because I was looking up. I, I, I had no other hope. All I could do is look to Jesus, the word of God. It became so real to me. Like I, every day I wanted more and more to understand what the Psalms were speaking to us. Not because like I had a Bible reading plan or I had to get through a certain amount of verses or chapters, or minutes, like none of that mattered. Like I just wanted to be in the word of God because it was life for me. I understood the words of David a little bit more. God, your word is this lamp to my feet and it's a light to my path. When when things don't make sense, God, I can see more clearly because your word is helping me. In, In your presence, God, is where there's fullness of joy. It's the only place that I can come to and truly seek comfort. I even, I I thought about the words of Job. God, even if you're slaying me, even if you're killing me right now, I'm going to trust you. The words of Peter, when I started to feel my my own anxiety and my desire to turn away from God and maybe say, I don't know if I can trust him. The words of Peter come to my heart. Where else would I go? Where (laughs) Where else could I even go? You alone, Jesus, have the words of life. But the truth is, I'm not in that place anymore. They did the surgery. I'm fixed. They tell me I'm healthy now. I can get back to living my normal life. And this sounds crazy, but I don't know what I would give to spend a few more weeks in that place. I don't know what I would give to have just a few more days in October of 2018. Man, what a gift that God gave to me. And I have to reach back. Right now, I have the gift of being able to reach back into that season and saying, God, I don't feel as desperate for your kingdom as I do as I, as I did then. And maybe you don't feel as desperate for the kingdom of heaven uh, uh, as, as you want to. And so, what I, I want to say, my encouragement to myself and to, to you, is that we have to learn to zoom out. We have to learn to zoom out of our lives. We spend so much time zoomed in to the little details that are going on right now that we totally forget that we are eternal beings who are meant to bring the eternal presence of Jesus everywhere we go, and that there's coming a day where we're going to step into the eternal presence of God. Like, do you know that there's coming for you, if you're in Jesus, a day where the weight of glory actually sits down on top of you, and you see Jesus face to face, and he goes, I know it felt hard. I know there were, I know there were days that didn't make sense. I know it felt sometimes like I was leaving you. But I was there the whole time. I was there the whole time. And now, because of the pain that you felt for a short while, you get to experience an even greater joy. This is what Jesus is going to say to us. We have got to live our lives in light of that. Um, It's really funny to me. Like, we're in wedding season right now. A lot of people in this room planning weddings, I know. I'm just going to tell you. Like, the the day of the rehearsal, it's so funny to me, like people are stressing out about the details, man, like the flowers and the candles. And what if the color of this fabric is just a shade off, you know, like they're freaking out. And the next day, like 24 hours later, nobody cares about that. They're just like, this is amazing. These people just got married Like a new family has just begun. This is incredible. And Jesus, he's calling us to see the deeper truth of the wedding. Like he's saying, take your eyes off the details, guys, because there's coming a day where you're going to step into a wedding feast and you're going to get to see me face to face. You're going to step into the kingdom and you're going to be with God the Father. And until that day here on earth, we seek the kingdom. We seek it here on earth. How do we do that? I want to give you three quick things for how we can seek the kingdom of God. The first one I want to give you is we got to do this. We got to do this with our Bibles open. We got to do this with the word open. Um, Not as a duty, but as a place where we get to go and we get to meet with Jesus and we get to hear the words of life. I cannot tell you how many people say to me, I just don't hear God's voice. And they have no response when I ask them if they're reading the Bible. (laughs) You know, like this is where we're going to hear the voice of God. There are moments in our lives where we turn introspective and we start to think about our own worries and we start to think about our own uh, situations and how we can put everything back together. And in those moments where you go inward, I want to invite you to open the word and remember who God is. And in those moments, he will help you to zoom out and see the kingdom of God. The second thing I want to give you is that we've got to do this with our lives open with our lives open, that's community. And we gotta be the kind of people that can share not just the victories of our life, but also the painful places too. Like this saved my life. This saved my wife's life. When we were going through the, the process of open heart surgery, I could tell you story after story after story of the way that you people in this room and my family and others carried the weight with us. I'll stand up here and just tell you story after story and weep. When there's something going on in your life that creates anxiety, uh, sharing yourself with the people around you will help you to zoom out and the kingdom of heaven will show up in those places. Third thing, quickly. We gotta seek the kingdom of heaven with our hearts open and that's prayer. And just a a few verses ago, Jesus taught us, didn't he? He said, here's how to pray. Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What if, again, this is crazy. What if, instead of going throughout our day, just filling our hearts and our minds up with all of, the, all of the what ifs and all of the oh no's of life, what if we move throughout our day saying, God, I don't know what's gonna happen, but your kingdom come. Your will be done. God, I, I feel nervous right now. I feel anxious right now, but I'm just, I'm not in control and you are. So I'm just asking your kingdom come and your will be done. God, help me to lift my eyes up. Man, this would help us to zoom out. So there's a problem. There's this enemy. He wants nothing more than to keep us from seeking the kingdom. He wants nothing more than to steal our joy. He would steal more than that if he could. But if you're in Jesus, you have a promise that nothing can take you out of his hand. So what the enemy wants to do is just steal your joy. Just get you really distracted. What he would love nothing more is for us to not stand in each moment with peaceful presence, to not enjoy each moment with our families and the people around us, uh, to not see the beauty of what is happening all around us, but instead to trade those moments for worry about what might happen, man, that's the lie. And we want to take the deal, but Jesus, he speaks to us again. Verse 34, (laughs) I love it. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Man, I I just know this is a big one for all of us. Like even on our best days, we're just so tempted to worry about what might happen tomorrow. Like, is it just me or is like 90% of what you worry about not stuff that's even going on right now? Like, just think about it. Like most of the time that I find myself wrecked with anxiety or worry, it's about what might happen tomorrow or in a few days or next year. And Jesus just says, man, knock knock that stuff off. Like you don't have to do that. You have a father who's caring for you. Um, I I, want to say our anxiety, I think this is something that we should pay, pay attention to because when you start to feel those anxieties, I think they're showing you something. I think that our anxieties are actually, if we'll listen to them, and if we'll, if we'll operate with peaceful presence toward ourselves and towards God, I think we'll actually hear that they're speaking to us. Um, they're, they're showing us our longings. This is what C.S. Lewis said. We aren't longing for better things. We're longing for the best thing. <laughs> Underneath my anxiety about my kids is this desire for shalom. It's this desire for everything to be put right. Right. Guess what? In the kingdom of God, he offers that to us. Um, Underneath your fears about money is a desire for security. In the kingdom of heaven, you're offered that. Um, Underneath all of my fears and anxieties about my heart surgery was, was this desire to live forever with my family. In the kingdom of heaven, we get offered that kind of family. So I think it's good for us when you feel anxious, start to ask, what is it? that my anxieties are telling me about my longings because whatever they are, I think underneath them, there will be an invitation to see the kingdom of God. Um, this last couple of weeks, I took my boys to go see the Avengers movie and uh, we, we went over to uh, the, the Regal Warren and uh, as it turns out, we were, all, we were getting ready to watch the movie and some weather was kind of starting to move in And uh, you know, it's, it's May, like in Oklahoma, you just kind of got to hedge your bets. And if you got movie tickets, go ahead and try it, you know? And uh, so we're in the theater and I'm, I'm paying attention to the radar. I can tell, I think we're out of, we're out of trouble. We're out of the way. And that crazy thing happens when all the cell phones start blaring the siren in public, you know, like how freaky that is. And uh, my two youngest boys are sitting on either side of me. And one of them kind of grabs my leg and he's like, Dad, what is it? What is it? You know, like all of us have PTSD. If you live around here, the kids certainly do. Um, So my son is like, dad, what is it? What is it? Should we go? Or like, do we need to go find shelter? And I look at him and I say, buddy, I'm, I'm paying attention. I've got it. Like, look at your dad. You don't have to worry. I said to him, hey, you enjoy what's happening around you. Look at me. If at any moment your dad starts to worry, then you can worry too man, God speaks to me in those moments. Like I say something like that to my kid and I have a father who's like, yeah, you should listen to what you're saying. And maybe you're here today and you're thinking, man, sure, you love your son. I get it. You don't want him to worry because you love him. But if you knew what God knew about me, there's no way that you would think that he feels that way. And I I want us to finish with this because Luke, in the book of Luke, he finishes the Sermon on the Mount in a in a different way. He 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 ends this section with something that I believe is really huge. It's where I want us to end today. The words of Jesus come to us, and he shows us the kingdom of God is more than just a vision. This is what he says, Luke twelve, thirty-two. My favorite line in the whole Sermon on the Mount Fear not, little flock for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. In just this little verse, we see that in God we have a shepherd. In God we have a father. In God we have a king. And in the moment that the shepherd starts to wonder where his sheep are, we can start to worry. In the moment that the father starts to wonder what's going to happen to his kids, then we can start to worry. In the moment that the king... Loses control or rule and reign of his kingdom, man, in that moment we can start to worry. Until then, we hear the words of Jesus Fear not, it's his pleasure to give you the kingdom. And this is the truth of the kingdom God the Father sent his only Son to lay down his kingdom so that we could, it could be given to us. The son of God willingly left that kingdom and took on all of our sin and all of our shame and all of our condemnation in place of a kingdom. And instead we're offered in his death and in his resurrection, we're offered a kingdom that can never be taken from us. And in the kingdom of God, we have the spirit who has sealed us for the day that we're gonna come into a kingdom and it's gonna be the only thing that we ever know again. This is the truth of the kingdom. If God has gone to these great lengths to give us the kingdom, how will he not also give us every single thing that we need? How will he not do that? Will he forget the small things in our lives? Jesus says, impossible. Look at the birds. Look at the flowers. I'm gonna take care of them. I'm going to take care of you also. Isaiah says, will a nursing mom forget her baby? Maybe. Might happen, but you have a father who will never forget you. So you're free to seek the kingdom, and everything else will be added on top of what you need.